0: Welcome, everyone. My name is Eric Jorgensen. I'm the founder and president of Special Needs Navigator. The purpose of the company is to help families navigate the maze of benefits, resources, and services. The purpose of this YouTube channel is to introduce you to benefits, resources, and services and explain in more detail what you may otherwise get. Today, my guest is a realtor, Brett Merson with Merson Properties, and he's going to talk to us about what to do when you buy your first property or maybe you're buying a property for your child, what the process is like, some common mistakes we all make, and then at the end, how to pick a realtor, what things, to, questions to ask. And keep in mind, just as it is with so many different professionals, it's really a relationship. So yes, the individual is selling you a house, but you've got to make sure that they really get you, that when you're talking to them, they're truly listening to you, And they're really taking the time to understand not just what you're saying you want, but challenging you when appropriate to make sure that they're very clear in what you want. Brett and I worked together when I bought my house two years ago, and he helped me gain some clarity about what I was looking for that I really wasn't that clear on because it'd been years since I bought my house. So that's a big reason why I invited Brett to talk today. I really like his process. He is licensed in Maryland and Pennsylvania. And with that introduction, I'm going to let Brett tell you a little bit more about himself. Brett, welcome. Good morning, Eric. Thanks
1: for having me on.
0: Brett, would you mind just giving us a quick background about yourself and Merson Properties? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm licensed with
1: Keller Williams and Frederick, Maryland. And then our team is Merson Properties. So we help people buy and sell homes. Originally, I got in real estate in February of 2015. that i was in construction so i worked with several different construction companies custom home builder commercial contractor doing anything like installing doors windows things like that managing a crew of guys so i had a good background on how a home and how a building is built and just really that translated well i found into the real estate space yeah to your point earlier eric i mean You know, anytime you're assisting someone in a big purchase, I found it really all starts with questions. It's one thing to just have somebody say they want to buy a home, but I've learned really digging deeper on why is that important to you? What's the long term plan? Are you going to be here two years, or is this something you plan on being thirty years? Because that does, you know, affect, in, in my opinion, what the criteria for that home should be. And how I can serve them in the process. So really, it, it all starts with questions. So I'm a big believer in that. I've got you know whole lists of questions that I ask any potential client. And again, I just found that it helps me be able to serve them better for what it is you know they're trying to do.
0: As your client, I got to tell you, I thought the process was fantastic. And maybe I was an anomaly, but I think we only saw six houses, and we went out one day.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's a little more than that. You know, we see about six to twelve houses, even though that number has shrunk since COVID. You know, you have less people just looking just in case, and they're more looking because they're very serious. So, the number has went down as a general rule, but you have some people that are looking at you know twelve, fifteen houses.
0: Awesome! And this is a good opportunity to explain the home buying process. So, again. I bought my first house back in 2000 and 18 years went by between the time I bought that house and this house. And I've got to tell you, when I bought the house in 2000, nobody took the time to really explain this to me. And as I went through your process, it really helped to know what was coming. And I really appreciate your willingness to share this with the families and individuals that are watching this. So without getting too far into the weeds, would you just mind touching on each of these and where you see some of the sticking points are, where you see people maybe getting a little more anxiety or starting to stress out, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The first key is really preparation, I found. Preparation and then having a team around you of people you can trust. So obviously a great real estate agent that you trust, Not only that's going to look out for your best interests, but that is also competent in what they do in real estate. You see a wide range of professionals from very professional to, you know, a lot of people that are just trying it out, you know, just to see if it'll stick things like that. Always ask them questions. And then from there, a good mortgage lender, those are the two big things. Again, I love having somebody that I can pick up the phone and call, you know, somebody local that knows your area knows what kind of grants are available that you can qualify for. You know, because there are some big companies that, you know, advertise a lot and you can do it all from your phone. I found that those tend to be the most stressful for the buyers. You put stuff in on a phone and then you don't hear anything from the company. So they're like, my approve? what's going on? So I recommend nothing against, you know, big companies, but at least having somebody that you can pick up the phone and call with questions. And again, that not only that you trust that they're good at their job, but that really look out for you and explain the process to you. So the first thing is, again, having that right team around you.
0: If somebody doesn't know a mortgage lender, is that something you could refer them to?
1: Any real estate agent that you have, they should have a whole team of lenders, depending on what area you're looking in, things like that, that they can help you out with. Cool.
0: Analyzing your needs. If I understand correctly, that's more than just saying, well, I need to be in this school district, right? I mean, there's more involved in that.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So the first thing I like to do, you know, once I talk with somebody, usually I have about a five minute phone conversation and now I like to meet them face to face. Between those, usually I've had them connected with a lender that can get them pre-qualified. That way they say, oh yeah, we want to look at houses listed at 350. They can actually afford that. The lender can do a credit check and income check and probably wants to look at their previous two years of tax returns. That way, you know, it's kind of doing your homework beforehand, putting the the horse before the cart, so to speak. That way you don't start looking at houses and then find out you can't actually qualify for it because you have some issue with your credit, things like that. Yeah, so analyze your needs. Basically, I'd like to sit down and actually go over this information here, explain the process to them so they know what to expect, some of the the costs associated with buying a house, as well as just the mental side of it so they don't feel like they're just totally in the dark, being drugged along, wondering what's going to happen next like you mentioned, I have a series of questions asking, again, why is it important to you? Maybe not just the school district, but again, like who's going to be living in the house? How long are you going to be there? When you think of your future home, what does that look like in your mind? And then again, ask the questions and then listen and see what they say.
0: And I remember with me, one of the houses we looked at, you even gave me a little bit of pushback by saying, you know, Eric, I could certainly put an offer in if you want me to, but this doesn't really feel like what you had described you were looking for. And I think at that point, I had just gotten burned out. I was tired of looking at houses because that's how I am. I just want to end this. But getting that reality check, I was like, oh, yeah, good point. <laughs> this isn't just something that I'm going to buy at the grocery store. Maybe it's not my favorite, but I can suffer through it for a week. For me, I was buying it for my son to live in when I'm gone.
1: Absolutely. And that's why, again, asking these questions, listening, taking notes is important. I've seen people buy a house like on an impulse. And again, that wasn't what we they were looking for. So I certainly never want to see that happen to somebody. So again, I'll do that. Here are the things you told me you need, but this house doesn't have any of those or it's missing something that you said was an absolute must have. So at least ask them to make them stop and think about it for a minute. And if you still want to move forward at that point, I'm happy.
0: And that's where you're helping them select the properties, right? You're not necessarily on the computer with them. Again, I'm trying to remember how my process went you got me connected to something where I could type in my parameters. For me, I would drive around, rule out which ones I didn't want to see just by you know, the commute or what did the exterior... Because I'm lazy, I didn't want anything that required a lot of work. <laughs> so ultimately, by the time I did sit down with you to actually go look at the properties, I had done a lot of the other work of looking online, going out to visit a property Nowadays with COVID, I think a lot of that's being done virtually. Is that pretty standard though, Brett? Is that what you're seeing with a lot of your clients?
1: Absolutely. We want to do as much homework as possible before going and physically looking at the property. Things like GPSing your commute, finding out there grocery stores nearby, things like that. Because you know, when I first got in the business, I wasn't as great at setting the expectations, things like that. So one time I drove, I remember I drove an hour and 10 minutes to show a house and I pulled up the potential buyers pulled up right behind me and they get out and they're like, yeah, this is too far away from our jobs. This won't work. So I really took a, a mental note then and was like, okay, this is my 10 second Google maps search instead of wasting, you know, two and a half hours of getting out there and having the sellers vacate the house, you know, for the showing period, things like that. So, just looking at the Google Maps, like the aerial view, say a uh, factory next door, to the deal breaker. So again, doing as much homework as possible And I've got a... Uh, Sounds like you got a helper. And I do. An intruder just stumbled out. So all good. <laughs> I can just stick him inside.
0: No, this is fine. I mean, this is part of COVID, right? I mean, your dad, I mean, other parents out there get it. This is Logan. He just had his birthday on
1: Sunday, actually.
0: Happy birthday, Logan. Real turn training, right? Yep. Can you say hi? Can you wave. Say hi, Mr. Aaron. <laughs> He's like, that's not interesting.
1: Yeah, he'd rather be playing with his baseball or something.
0: Anyway. So once you've looked at, made sure there's no train tracks or anything kind of random like that, making sure that if you want, if you're going to be using public transportation, You don't have a 15, 20-minute walk, especially when you think about when it's raining or something. So you've found the property that you like. Now we're getting ready to put an offer in. Again, this one burned me a couple times because there was a couple of houses I remember being really interested in. We put the offer. It had either been under contract already because they were going really quick when I was looking. What does that mean, though? What are you doing when you're writing the offer? What types of things do people need to expect?
1: Yeah. The biggest thing I, I always say is you want to put the numbers and dates in here. You know, Of course, the main number is what price are you asking for any seller concessions to help with your closing costs? And then what date are you closing on? And what inspections do you plan on doing? Because those are all things that sellers will evaluate when choosing an offer. And this market now with such a shortage of inventory or houses available, a lot of houses are getting multiple offers. So a lot of things, you know, maybe if you do you know, and less inspections or you write it as is where the seller isn't going to have to fix anything. they will be a lot more willing to work with your offer versus another. Maybe, you know, maybe the other one has a higher price, even they will take one that, you know, maybe has better uh, favorable terms for them in other ways. Okay. Pull that together. Yeah. And then pretty much everything's electronically signed now. So I'll write it up. You know, usually most offers in this area are about 45 pages, but that does vary. Some states are still in the single digits for contracts. Some get up to 75 pages. Totally depends on your area. We'll send it over to the seller and then they can accept it, decline it or counter the offer. And we'll go back negotiating with them there. We come to terms and then we're, we'll go down to. You know, versus three pronged approach, we have an accepted contract and then we're working on any inspections. Meanwhile, the lender's going to be helping them with the appraisal, you know, underwriting the loan, things like that. And then we'll send it to a title company or a title attorney and they're doing a background search on the home. Things like making sure there's no unpaid liens or they didn't just take out a second mortgage on it that you know, the seller that they didn't report, things like that.
0: And this is again a place where you can help the buyer because most of us probably don't know a title company or don't know a home inspector I mean it's just not something that we deal with every day
1: absolutely and anyone can Google you know home inspectors on you know Angie's list or title companies but you know again there are a lot of great ones around and there are a couple that have made certain transactions pretty unbearable for you know the buyers and sellers just because they picked a out-of-state title company that didn't know what they were doing they had a, a five hour settlement. It did close, but it wasn't a very pleasant experience for any of the parties involved. So again, having somebody that has a track record. And again, that it goes back to your relationship, whether it's with your agent, your lender, hopefully both. Whoever that team of people you surround yourself with is huge so they can guide you to people that are going to treat you right during the process.
0: The theme I'm hearing here is it's really and you've said it yourself, it's really about the relationships. So when you're looking to buy a house for yourself, or if you're doing like I was buying a home for your child, this is not something that you should be going in like you're buying a pair of jeans, right? I mean, this is something that if you're taking a 30-year mortgage out, you're paying at least 30 years. That's a long time to be involved in something. So the people that you're working with you really don't want to, in my personal opinion, you don't want to be working with people that are rushing you. You don't want to be working with people who are saying, come on, come on, come on, right? Absolutely.
1: It all comes back to that trust work. I think I've said it you know, three or four times now already. People that you know are going to have your best interests in mind that aren't going to rush you, that are going to take their time, teach you, explain the process. Again, having the trust is huge because again, you know, if there's a certain document that the lender needs and they're in a time crunch and they call you and say, hey, Eric, we really need that tonight. You know that they're calling you with your best interests in mind because the lender actually needs it, but they're taking their time on other things, making sure that this is the right house, things like that. So that way, again, if they ever have to do make that call, say, we need this now, it's like, you know, that they're not just saying that just to try to get you to make a a fresh decision, but that it is something that actually needs to be done. So again, it all comes back to trust. Absolutely.
0: I think people understand the funds and the closing, that process is going to be more on the side of the title company and everything. So I'm skipping ahead to mistakes. When we were working together, one of the things I remember you telling me is you did recommend very strongly that I get a home inspection done.
1: Absolutely. I highly recommend a home inspection. It's basically where you'll have most states are licensed, but not every of a guy come through that he's going to know at least a little bit about everything in the house, but he probably won't be an expert on very many of them. So he'll come through. You know, they'll check, you know, anywhere from the outlets, the windows, making sure they open and close properly, check all the appliances, your plumbing, making sure you don't have any leaks, things like that. You know, they'll spend anywhere from three to four hours on a house. That really just going through the fine tooth comb.
0: Right. And then like with my inspection, I also had a radon test done because I guess in Maryland radon is pretty common to have in your basement. It's an odorless gas that can cause cancer. And the test itself wasn't that expensive, and I ended up needing it to get a mitigation system put in in the crawl space under the house. And I'll, I'll tell you, coming from Connecticut, my house was on a slab. I kind of questioned the whole idea of, well, why do I need a radon test? I'm glad I did, but...
1: Yeah, radon tests usually have them done for under $200, and they say it's the second leading cause of lung cancer behind smoking. Maryland is one of the, the highest areas for it, so you know, I always recommend you know, definitely check out, do your research as a buyer to see if that's important to you. Other inspections you can do are chimney inspections, lead tests, and you can also test, you know, outside for certain contaminants in the soil. If you're on a private septic or water well system, then you can get those checked out as well, which again, if you're in the country, I highly recommend getting a septic and well checked out because those could be potentially expensive issues down the road if it's not working properly. So get that checked out for sure.
0: That's the thing. When you go back to the concessions you were mentioning with the seller, if you need the septic pumped out or something better to find that out before you agree to purchasing the house, because then maybe you can have the seller do it before you take ownership or maybe you need a new roof. So they knock off $10,000 of the price or whatever, instead of they say, look, I can't replace the roof, but I'm willing to give you a lower sales price or something. Right. I mean...
1: Exactly. And a lot of times it could be meeting in the middle. So, you know, the roof has two years left on it. Maybe they'll give you a credit for half the roof, things like that. But at least that way you're not blindly purchasing, you know, a house that's going to have issues and major expenses that you don't have room in the budget for. That's the way I look at it. You don't want to basically pay for someone else's problem to be yours.
0: And what other common mistakes do you see your buyers making? Or what things do you wish, if you take nothing else away, please, please, please do this? The
1: number one thing, again, is getting someone you trust. Don't just call the agent you know, because you saw their name on Zillow. Again, because if you have that one person you can trust, whether it's an agent, a lender, they can guide you to the other people that you can trust. If you don't have that, I say, ask people you know. Who do you know that just bought a house? Were they really happy with the estate agents? Do you feel like they could trust them? So that's, again, all comes back to one or two relationships, I would say, would be the biggest thing. And because sometimes, you know, the quickest or the, The cheapest guy, especially with lenders, isn't always the best because, you know, I've seen again some of these big companies kind of drag people through the mud and, you know, they thought they were approved for a loan and they really weren't. So again, somebody that's going to take the time and really educate them, you know, the lender that's going to really look at their their tax returns, their credit before giving them that pre approval letter. The two biggest ones I would say.
0: I would like to add one thing in there, Brett, is make sure that the individual you're working with is willing and able to communicate with you in the way that you prefer. You know, like I'm big on email. I don't like getting called, you know, and it's a pet peeve of mine. If I tell somebody that and they start blowing up my phone.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's a great point.
0: So I think we touched on this already. You said talk to people that you know that have bought a house. You did mention don't look online. So I think those are the biggest ways. I mean, people are quick to complain. More often than not, you're going to hear somebody say something negative than you are positive. So if you hear somebody saying they've had a great experience with any type of professional, it's probably a good indication that that professional is going to work pretty well.
1: Absolutely, and you can utilize online tools again, like checking out the reviews on Zillow or Facebook if they have a business page. Those can be great tools, but I wouldn't use only those. Again, you have that personal connection, the personal referral—that's huge—and then I always like to verify with online, but. You just you know, go on Zillow and you see their premier agent. That doesn't mean that real estate agent's good. That just means that they paid Zillow money to have their name there. So I'm always um cautious of ads like that just because they paid the money doesn't mean they're good. But again, I, I like to get the personal recommendation and then verify it using the internet.
0: Yeah, that's typically what I'll do is, you know, like I got your name from somebody I was working with at the time. He gave me your name. I just checked you out to make sure you weren't some fly-by-night operation. I really trusted the individual who gave me your name. So I'll admit I didn't do a super deep dive, but <laughs> last thoughts, Brett, again, that the key takeaways, if somebody is nervous, they haven't bought a home in a while, or they really want to make sure they buy the right house for their child, is there anything besides making sure you pick the right realtors? Is, is there anything you should make sure that you tell the realtor or that maybe a flag goes up if the realtor isn't asking you? You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. A big one is, again, if they're asking you what's important to you about owning this home, what's your long-term plans, what are some must-haves? Those are the kind of questions I would say that if they're not asking you, you know, if if you just call them up and ask to see a house and they just say, great, what time? I would maybe be a little more cautious of that. If they just want to show you houses and get you to buy the first one you look at, that could be an indicator there. Again, they're not really diving deep, figuring out what's important to you why that's important for you. Again, to really coincide with your vision, your hopes and dreams, I would say.
0: So people shouldn't feel guilty if they are taking a lot of time with a realtor to sit down with a realtor and maybe it takes an hour or two to really make sure they convey what they're looking for. They shouldn't feel guilty about that, right? I mean, I know some families with children with disabilities are Oftentimes, speaking for myself, I don't want to put words in other people's mouths, but we almost feel like we're putting other people out because we have so many extra needs.
1: Absolutely not. I always say the more time you spend up front, really fine-tuning what you're looking for, you actually end up spending less time looking at houses. I'd rather spend you know an hour, two hours in a buyer consultation and maybe the only look at you know six houses or so compared to looking at 15, 20, 25 houses, getting burnt out in the process. Because, you know, their expectations of the market and what the realtor is trying to do aren't in alignment. But not only is it finding out what that potential home buyer is looking for in that family, but it's also, you know, setting their expectation of the market. Maybe they're trying to get a four bedroom single family home that's hundred percent ready to go and they have a budget that's more of, you know, a townhouse budget. So if their expectations of the market aren't, you know, properly set then they could be up for a real disappointment later on and just burn themselves out in the process. So again, more time spent up front in preparation, less time you're going to spend during the process. I think it was Abraham Lincoln who said, if I had six hours
0: to chop
1: down a tree, I'd spend the first four sharpening the axe.
0: That's very well said. And I think that's a good place to end it. So Brett, this is Brett's information, the way to contact him. I don't have your email on here, but I can include it in the show notes. But you're pretty responsive with the phone, right? I mean...
1: Yeah, the best way, phone call, text or email. Okay. Either way.
0: Again, I want to stress, you know, he's based out of Frederick, Maryland. He can work with anybody in Maryland and Pennsylvania. And his team, if you're not in Maryland, Pennsylvania, he's got a very extensive network. He may be able to connect you with somebody local if you're not in Maryland or Pennsylvania. So, Brett, thank you very much. I appreciate you coming out here. Thanks a lot for having me, Eric. It's been a pleasure.